Hey, it's good to be with you guys today. Uh, if I haven't met you, I'm Tyler. I'm the campus pastor here at CTK Blaine. Thanks for being here on Mother's Day. Um, kids, if, uh, if, if you haven't yet, you can go to your classes if you want. And it's just, hey, it's good to be here. We should just have a big circle today for Mother's Day, shouldn't we? Um, but no, we, it's, Mother's Day is a special day, I, I, you know, and, and it can be, it can be a, a special day. It can be a hard day, too, and, and we know that. Um, but, you know, I was thinking about, about my mom, and one thing my mom has always done for me is she never forgets to pray for me every day. I thought, man, that's so cool that every day my mom makes time to, to think of me and, and pray for me. And that, that, you know, I don't know, you know, what kind of difference that's made in my life, but I know on those hard days, I'm sure that that, that really, really helps. So we just want to um, say thank you to all you moms one thing I've, I know about mothering is there's a lot of hard, often invisible, thankless work that goes into mothering. And um, it's, it, it should uh, be honored, and I hope today that you find time to uh, have fun and, and enjoy uh, some rest. Um, also, like I said, Mother's Day can be a difficult day for a lot of different reasons, and uh, Karma shared with me this, this prayer for Mother's Day that I just wanted to pray, and this may not be for you specifically, but it may be for, for someone in your life um, who for Mother's Day is a hard day. So if you just want to bow your heads and pray with me, I'm going to pray this prayer. Today we pray for mothers to know love and joy and for orphans comfort, for not yet mothers hope, for single mothers grace, and for those who are lonely family. We pray grace today. We pray grace today for the mothers of prodigals, for those who've lost children, and for those who don't know where their children are. May the embrace of grace Displace shame for moms in prison, for those who can't feed a baby, for those who miscarried, and those who had an abortion. May there be grace. May those who never held their own child, for whom today is sadder than it is happy, know the joy of parenting sons and daughters within the family of God. For as a mother comforts her child, says the Lord, so I will comfort you, and you will be comforted. And Lord, we just agree with this prayer. Lord, I, it, we know, God, that uh, for many, this day is a tough day for all the different reasons we prayed for. And so, Lord, I'm thankful for the joy that we celebrate today, but let us also remember, God, um, those for who this day is complicated. Lord, and, and if that's us, we pray for grace. Lord, we pray for your presence. We pray for peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, well guys, um, yeah, it's great to be with you today. If this is your first time with us, if you're joining us online, uh, we'd love to connect with you more. One way we do that is we have connection cards uh, down in the lobby that you can fill out. Give us your information. We'll, we'll put you on a weekly email to let you know all the things going on at CTK Blaine. Um, one thing we're, we're doing soon is a baptism. If baptism is something you're interested in, please fill that out as well so that we can know that. 
Um, but today we're going to um, shift gears a little bit, and we're going to continue our series. Uh, it, it continue our series in Mark. Uh, we've been going through the book of Mark, journeying, basically walking with Jesus over the, the course of this year. Uh, what I like about Mark is it's the most action-packed, fast-paced gospel. It's like the Cliff Notes gospel. You know, it's like hang out with Jesus. This is what you need to know. You know, and you get to see Jesus just just move in action and power. Um, so for those of you who like action and, and uh, less of the, the teaching, this is a great, this is a great one. Um, but today we're going to look at, talk about empowered disciples and the movement of God. We're going to talk about how Jesus empowers his disciples. And I think today it's, it, empowerment's like a popular word to talk about today. Um, empowerment is... Uh, you might see it on like a company mission statement or a church mission statement. We want to empower our people. Um, but it's just, it's a popular, uh, popular term today. If you do a Google search on the word empowerment, uh, this is what the Oxford definition says. It says, empowerment is the authority or power given to someone to do something. So someone in power um, gives somebody authority to do something. That's the basic definition of empowerment, and that's the kind of empowerment we see in Mark 6, where Jesus gives his disciples power to do amazing things for the kingdom of God, to spread the movement of God. Um, Jesus is the empowerer, and we are the empowered. We are empowered by his spirit. Jesus provides the power, and he also provides the, the destination. This is what you're doing. This is the target. This is what we're after. And he empowers us to play a role in his kingdom and what he's doing. But like I said, when we talk about empowerment today, it can seem a little fuzzy. There's a lot of different definitions of what it looks like. Right after that first definition of empowerment in the Oxford Dictionary was this definition. It was the process of becoming stronger and more confident, especially in controlling one's life and claiming one's rights. So this is the more popular definition of empowerment today, uh, that it's feeling, feeling confident, having a sense of control and authority uh, over your own life. And this can be taken to the degree of, I do what I want to do. I write the script. I'm the star of the show. I call the shots on how God fits into my life. And so what we see is there's a big difference between the popular version of empowerment and Jesus' version of empowerment in Mark 6. In one version, God is the authority who gives power to his disciples. In the other version, we sort of claim our own authority to do what we want. See, there's kind of two different things there. And my goal isn't to go super negative and, and attack culture or anything like that. What I want to do, to do today is explore how does Jesus actually empower his disciples? What kind of power does, does Jesus give and authority does Jesus give his disciples? And so those, the two questions we're going to answer today are how does Jesus empower me? And what does Jesus empower me for? So how does Jesus empower me? And what does Jesus empower me for? Are, are you with me so far? I know it's Mother's Day. Uh, and man, that rain this morning was insane, wasn't it? Like, that was crazy. That was, yeah, it was like somebody turned the, the shower nozzle on outside, and it's wild. Um, anyways, so 
we got to be clear on what kind of empowerment we're seeking in life. Are we seeking to establish ourselves and our own life, or are we seeking the empowerment that Jesus would give us? Because I do know that Jesus is offering you his version of empowerment if you want it. If you want it, he offers it to you. What Jesus would say is, hey, if you're looking for life, I'll give you life. If you're looking for purpose, I'll give you purpose. If you're looking for community, I'll give you community. If you're looking for a path, I'll give you a path. And Jesus is the one who gives that to us. And so we're going to go to Mark 6, verse 6, and we're going to look at how Jesus empowers his disciples. Uh, we're going to pick up the story right after Jesus is, he, he goes to his hometown and he's basically rejected there. And so he turns his attention to other towns in the surrounding area. And this is what it says in Mark 6, verse 6. It says, And he went about among the villages teaching. And he called the twelve and began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over the unclean spirits. He charged them to take nothing for their journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and not, not put on two tunics. And he said to them, Whenever you enter a house, stay there until you depart from there. And if any place will not receive you and they will not listen to you, when you leave, shake off the dust that is on your feet as a testimony against them. So they went out and proclaimed that people should repent, and they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. So we're going to pause there. But this is the first time where Jesus sends his disciples out on a mission. I'm going to give you a task, and I'm going to give you the power to do it, here you go, two by two, go. And he sends them out. Basically, everything that Jesus has been modeling and teaching to this point, this is the moment where he says, okay, it's your turn. You've seen me do all these things, now it's your turn, uh, disciples. It's your time to go out and, and do the things that I've done. We, we've seen Jesus cast out demons. We've seen Jesus heal people. And now he's sending his followers out to do the same thing. This really helps us understand what being a disciple of Jesus is. Like, a, being a disciple is really like being an apprentice. It's, like, it's really like being trained by someone who knows what they're doing to do a certain task. I never worked in the skilled trades. I recruited for the skilled trades, so I, I learned the lingo without actually doing any work, basically. Um, so I could talk about welding all day, but don't, don't have me weld anything, okay? I would kill myself, probably. Burn, burn myself. Um, but... Um, if you're in a skilled trade, you need somebody to show you how to do it. Teach you, tell you what to do, but also show you what to do. Show you how to weld, show you how to do machine work, whatever it might be. And it's the same thing in discipleship. Jesus showed his disciples how to live. He taught them, he showed them, he walked with them. And now he said, okay, it's your turn. Go ahead and, and do what I do. And so when we follow Jesus today, we're really saying, okay, I'm your apprentice. Jesus. I want to learn from you. And he changes our life little by little because this apprenticeship doesn't just last a year, it lasts a lifetime with Jesus. So we get to learn what it means to, to live like Jesus and love like Jesus um, as he trains us. And so that, mean, that doesn't necessarily mean I'll start to, to, to heal people, although you might. It might just mean that your character changes to look more and more like Jesus that you're not afraid to share your faith, that you're, you're not afraid to speak into people's lives. 
that, that Jesus starts to fill you with humility, with patience, with self-control, with his love, that you would help heal people's wounds and that you would start to include others, give people a place at the table. And so as we see here, you, you, as you follow Jesus, you will experience more and more of his power working through you. And so this passage is a big step in Jesus's training program to his disciples. This is the time, okay, you're just going to go out and do it. It's like when, when um, my grandpa first put me behind the wheel of his car when I was 14 and said, drive. And I was freaked out and drove off the road, you know. I, um, but it was, it, this was the time when Jesus handed the keys to his disciples and said, drive. Okay, it's your turn. You go, and he sends them out. And I love, I love Jesus' ministry personally because it, most of it happens in small towns. So, like, way to live in Blaine, guys. You know, like, Jesus was all about small towns. And, and his movement, this movement, as he sends his disciples out two by two, so he's, he's uh, exponentially increasing the movement. Um, it, it happened in small towns. So small towns can have a big impact. And this is a moment where the movement is taking off. This is the mo um, a moment where it goes from, from one guy, Jesus, drawing a crowd to his followers really going out and, and sharing the good news with people. And so first we're going to focus on how Jesus empowers his disciples. What tools does God give us? Does Jesus give us in our belt? What tools do we have to follow him? And this isn't a complete list, but what I observe is that there's three tools that Jesus gives his followers here. And the first one is community. The first one is community. He doesn't send them out alone and say, figure it out. He knows that they need someone else. They need someone else to help them out. And it's more fun to go in pairs of two. Did you know that? It's not fun to try to be a Christian superman and just do everything on your own. It's way more fun to do it in community. You have someone to lean on. And God's given us each other to fulfill what he wants to accomplish in our neighborhoods, in our communities, in our, our workplaces, in our lives. He's given us each other. This is called the church. And and, and the truth is, is that we need the church. You need the church. Um, Barna, the biggest Christian res research group in the nation, um, did a study recently. And in 2021, they found out that less than 50% of Americans who call themselves Christians attend church regularly, in any form, online or in person. And I thought, man, like that, that's 50% that's of Christians trying to make it on their own. You know, when God's designed us to, to do this thing together. Like, we, we need mentorship. We need prayer. We need someone to come alongside us and, and help us see what we're not seeing or help, uh, help encourage us when we feel down. Like, we need each other. When we isolate, man, we, you know, isolation usually leads to struggling, right? Like, it, it usually leads to struggling. So we need to link arms and, and walk together we, we need time where we're encouraged in the words, that spiritual nourishment. So church is a place where we can be built up and discover who we are in Christ. And so that's the first tool that, that Jesus gives, is he gives them each other. Partner up. 
You know, that way, if, if they go to, go to a house and it goes bad, they can laugh about it when they leave. You know, it's like, that was a little awkward, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. So, um, so he gives them each other, and then he gives them spiritual authority. So he gives them community and authority. It says, and he gave them authority over the unclean spirits. So he empowers them, and he gives them spiritual authority. Nothing's going to harm them. Now, no darkness is going to overcome them because he's given his followers uh, spiritual authority. And part of our growing in Christ is learning more and more how to live under the authority of Jesus and walk in that authority and not let darkness have any footholds in your lives and in your family and in your community. Here, Jesus has given his disciples power over the spiritual world. And last week we talked about um, Jesus and a demon-possessed man, and how Jesus had authority over this legion of demons. And after that message, uh, one of my kids at bedtime was like, hey, Dad, that message kind of freaked me out last week. I'm a little worried about demons. I'm like, oh, don't, don't worry about that. Uh, we have the armor of God, and I, I brought them to Ephesians 6, and uh, this verse, Ephesians 6:13, that says, therefore take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand firm. And so we, we pray. We have this spiritual protection that we pray into. Like nothing can harm us. No scheme of the enemy can harm us. And if you've ever, if you've ever like looked at the armor of God, or if you were a kid, sometimes a Christian bookstore had the armor of like an actual plastic suit of armor. Does anybody remember that? Um, I remember that from Sunday school. Um, but yeah, you have the belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit. And then Paul says, pray at all times in the Spirit. So we're to stay consistently like praying and, and depending on God um, for protection. And if, um, yeah, and so when we, we're, we are to encourage our kids in that too. You know, and, and pray, pray, give our kids that tool so that they have that uh, over the course of their lives. But the truth is, God's given us everything we need to withstand evil in this world. And, and if, if, you, if you're feeling discouraged in that this morning, um, then just turn back to Jesus and, and let him invade those dark places in your lives. Let him invade those dark places in your lives and do battle for you. Because that's, that's what being a follower of Christ is. It's allowing him to fight those battles for us. And we all experience different kinds of, of spiritual attack in our lives. We all experience different, different like whether it's our thought lives. We could be doing really well, and then, then the enemy will attack our thought lives, or he'll bring up an old vice that we struggled with in the past. And so this fight that we fight, it's an internal and external fight. But in Jesus, he's given us all authority to win. So the, the tools that Jesus gave his disciples are community, spiritual authority, and then here's the third tool. It says he charged them to take nothing for their journey except a staff. No bread, no bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and not put on two tunics. This is the part of the story where you're like, really? Really? Like, go unprepared. Basically, Jesus is saying, go unprepared. Um, don't take much. 
So I was trying to think of what we could call this tool, and I think what we can call it is simplicity. Jesus gives his followers the tool of simplicity, that we could live simply because we trust in a really big God. We can pack light. You know, it's so easy, and Jesus talks about this at length, how the worries of the world um, wear us down and, and weigh on us. But um, when we depend on God, we're able to pack light. We're able to live simply. When we can live simply, that means we learn to depend on God more than our bank account. And that can change how we live. When we live simply, we're looking more at God's abundance than what we lack. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I struggle looking at too much at what I lack and not enough at how abundant God is and how much God has provided in the past. And so it's, it's, it's worth examining and asking God, God, are you really my security? Or am I living life trying to, trying to find my security in all these other things, all the worries of the world, work, and everything else? Because God has a mission for all of us, and sometimes that, that might mean sacrificing financially. So that, but that's the tension that, that God calls us to. The problem is if we let money drive our life, if we let all the security of the world drive our life, we might miss out on what God has for us. Uh, John Piper talked about this in a famous message called Don't Waste Your Life. You know, if, if we live for all the comfort of this world, we could end up wasting our lives, meaning we're not, we don't, we don't end up accomplishing what, accomplishing what God wants us to accomplish in life. It, we, it prevents us from fully living into the mission that God has called us. And the truth is, in this journey with Christ, like, he'll, he'll bless you in unexpected ways. Um, I know for, for our family, there were times when we've taken a step of faith and, and it was r risky and we were worried about provision and then we were hit with, like, amazing generosity. You know, there, God's shown up every time. He's always given us what we've needed to be able to live. And so Jesus empowers his disciples. Like, like Jesus says, don't worry about what you're, the food you'll eat or the clothes you'll wear. I know you care about those things, and I will provide. So those, those are three things that Jesus gives, uh, gives his disciples as tools. It's the how of how Jesus empowers his disciples with the tools of community, spiritual authority, and simplicity. When you give your life to Jesus, he will empower you uh, in his family called the church that he's given you. He'll give you power to conquer the evil one, and he'll also call you to a life of simple trust in him. And he does this so that he can send you out to other people. Send you out to other people. During the pandemic, I, I, did, I changed two things about my life. One is I learned how to cook, um, and the second is I started listening to audiobooks. I used to actually sit down and read books, and I've kind of realized, you know, I, I don't got time for that. Like, I, I got to do like a thousand other things. So I really got into audiobooks, and it's been life-changing. I'm telling you, if you're a busy parent, busy person, busy mom, audiobooks will change your life. Um, but one audiobook I listened to over the course of the pandemic was Eugene Peterson's autobiography, The Pastor. And I, I listened to it because Eugene Peterson was a church planner, 
Uh, he's, he grew up in Montana. He planted a church in Maryland, and he's just got a really unique story. And one of the things that struck me about how he planted the church, and this was like 1950s, 1960s, so, you know, the world was a little different back then, a little, little different in the 50s and 60s. But one thing he did first is it, before he decided if he was going to plant a church in a town, uh, he didn't build a building, he didn't try to go out and raise a bunch of money or do a focus group or anything like that. He just went and knocked on doors in the town. There's one town in Montana, he said he went around and knocked on every single door, which probably isn't hard to do in Montana because those towns are small, okay? Um, but he went around and he knocked on every single door and he just asked people, hey, I'm starting a church, what do you think? That's it. And people would have him come in, have coffee, sit down. He got to know everybody in this town. And I was thinking about our church planning experience. I was like, you know, I, I didn't go around Blaine and knock on doors. You know why? Because I was way too scared. That just sounds way, way too scary. But over the last couple years, I've had some opportunities to, to go knock on doors. And actually, Stephen, who's not here today, Stephen Martinez, and I have gone around and knocked on doors and invited people to, uh, to, to like, the, the farm stand that we do in the egg hunt and all these different things and you know what I realized people actually don't mind it in Blaine it's amazing uh, it's great but people still answer their doors and they still talk to you so um, we're gonna do that right after service everybody who wants to we're gonna go happy Mother's Day this place up so no no we're not um, but basically what I'm saying is that Jesus prepares us what we see in the story he prepares us to go to people you know, sometimes in the church, we really want people to come to us. But what Jesus tells us to do is, no, go to people. Like, you, you make the effort. You make the effort to enter into their world. Enter into to their space. And, and bring me with you. Share me with your neighbors, with your coworkers. Wherever I call you, bring me there. Don't just wait for them to come here. And, and so often that's been the orientation of the church, like bigger buildings, bigger budget, sound and lights. We are working on a fog machine. Eventually we'll get one in here. But, uh, you know, that's in next year's budget. But in lieu of the fog machine, uh, no, but, you know, just like let's build it, build it, build it. But maybe are we missing this core of, no, we actually need to go to people. We need to get out of our houses. We need to knock on our neighbor's door with some fresh-baked goodies or something, you know? It's, it could be that simple. God wants us to reach out, to go to, to check on our neighbors who, who might be lonely today, you know? And you could be that bridge between that person and Jesus. And so that leads us into this next question. What does God empower us for? Jesus sends out his disciples and he says whenever you enter a house stay there until you depart from there and if any place will not receive you and they will not listen to you when you leave shake off the dust that is on your feet as a testimony against them so this is powerful language shake the dust off your feet now he didn't he wasn't saying just make a big show he was saying it's kind of like when you just fold your hands clap your hands like okay I'm done it's okay like, if they don't receive you, it's okay to move on, all right? It's okay to move on. And the message that Jesus is sending to his disciples is, go where you're welcomed. Go where you're welcomed. Don't stay where, where, they, where they won't receive you. If you're walking in faith, 
You don't don't need to try to bang someone's door down, right? Or convince people over and over again to follow Jesus. If they're not receptive, it's okay to go to the next door. And so that's, it's so important when we consider God's uh, call on our life is that we need to consider this. Go where God has opened a door. Go where God has opened a door. Because this mission that God's called you to, it's not a you thing, it's a God and you thing. It's something that you partner with God in. And so if God is in it, then he will open doors. And, and, and your part is to be faithful to go where he calls you. So look for those doors that God is opening and go there. And I've seen people try to stay in places where it wasn't working. Um, you know, I've seen pastor friends stay in churches where they weren't being listened to, um, where, where things turned toxic. And the longer they stayed there, the worse it was. And it was hard on their kids, you know? And so don't linger in a place where God isn't at work. You know why? Because life's too short to waste. Life's too short to waste. And so for you, that might mean leaving a toxic workplace uh, that might be just open to wherever God would call you, wherever God wants you to be, wherever there could be fruit. And so if you feel stuck, pray into that. Like, God, what do you want me to do? I'm open. I'm all yours. Show me where you want me to be. And I really don't want anybody else to move out of Blaine, okay? I'm just saying that. Please stay here. But I will not, you know, I'm not God. And yet God is, uh, God's in charge. So if he calls you out of Blaine, I will cry. But I will support you. Um, And so I don't know what that looks like for you. But what I do know is, is that Jesus said, if you're not received, Go to the next person. Share with the next person. And, that, and so here's what the disciples did as they traveled. It says, So they went out and they proclaimed that people should repent. And they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. So, so they went out and they told people that they should repent. That's a, that's a pretty hard door-to-door message, okay? Um, but they used their spiritual authority also to cast out demons and heal people. So they went, and they told people to get right with God, and they prayed for them, and they healed many of them. So they just a lot of power is going on in this moment. But it's not mild stuff, right? It's not necessarily easy stuff. And talking about repentance can be dangerous. You know, and some people, because that word it can, can really put some people off. Um, some people will receive that message that, yes, I need to return to God, get right with God, you know, and, and, and change my life. But there might be some other people who don't like that, if you say, I'm just saying, maybe. Maybe some people won't like that word. But if you read the prophets that came before this, the whole message of Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, the minor prophets, was basically return to me. Return, repent, turn from your idols, and, and return to God. And that is part of our message. That is the, the action step that we're asking people to take when we tell them about Jesus. Turn to God. Turn to God. Come back. Come home. Find peace with God. It's not an angry, it's not an angry man on the side of the road 
with a sandwich board. It's, the, it's in the eyes of a friend saying, hey, I just want you to be whole. I just want you to know God. I just want your life to be changed. And that's what Jesus asks. That's the, that's the important message that, message that Jesus asks his disciples to carry. Tell them that I want them to return to me. This is at the heart of the good news. To make peace with God. To come back into relationship with God. To reconcile with God. To get right with God. And we can never lose that as part of our message. Right? And that is a challenging part of our message. It can be awkward, but it's a part of our message. Get right with God. And we're all called to this task. And the thing is, we don't do it alone, right? We have community. We, you have your own unique personality and gifting, and, and we all are a part of that message, uh, share a part of that message together. Um, but if you're wondering, okay, what does that look like in my life, or where do I start? I would just say this. Start talking about Jesus. Just use the name Jesus. That's it. Just use the name Jesus. Talk about him. You know, it's easy to talk. I know it's easy to talk about church. It can be easy to talk about God, but there's, there's something about the name of Jesus that sticks with people. And it says in Acts 4.12 that it's under the name of Jesus only that we can be saved. It's the only name given under heaven by which man can be saved. So say the name. Talk about him. I'm not saying get out there with a sandwich board. Um, but I am saying don't be afraid to say the name of Jesus. Talk about Jesus with your neighbors, your families, your, your co-workers. And if, if you don't feel like you have that courage in you to do it, pray for that. Pray that Jesus would get, just give you the words. Like we went through Acts last year, and what did the disciples do? It just says they showed up and opened their mouths. So often, I try to think through, okay, this is what I want to say, and I try to get it all planned out, but the invitation of the Spirit is just open your mouth. Just open your mouth and see what happens. Because it's the name of Jesus that saves people. So towards the end of this chapter, so we have the how, the community, spiritual authority, simplicity, and we have the why, that, that um, people would be saved... And now we have um, just sort of the, 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 uh, the rest part of this. What, so what happened? Um, in verse 30, it says, The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. And I really love that this is how this story ends. Because Jesus isn't just a boss that's saying like, okay, get back out there, get back out there. We got daylight burning. Let's go, let's go, let's go. No, when they come back with this great report, he's like, awesome job, guys. Let's get out of here and rest for a bit and catch up, catch our breaths. Let's talk about what just happened. You know, this is a good teacher, right? They have this crazy, amazing, powerful experience. And now it's like, let's, let's go talk about it. Let's go, let's go feel what we're feeling. Let's go share how it all went. And he uses this term desolate place, which literally means wilderness. Guys, let's get out in the wilderness for a while. 
You know why I like this? Because I'm from Washington, you know? Like, right, we get getting out in the wilderness and relaxing. Um, the wilderness is a place where you can go and breathe a little bit. Time kind of slows down, you know? Uh, you have, you're kind of immersed in the beauty of God. You have peace. There's so much that happens in the wilderness. The wilderness is a gift that God gives his people for rest. He wants to draw you out to that wilderness. And so in this walk with God, there may be seasons of high intensity where, man, you're just loving on people and you're seeing change in people's lives and God is doing amazing things, but there also needs to be time where you let God call you into the wilderness for a bit. Just the unplug, just the come away with me and talk. And, and that can be a weekly rhythm. That's why Sabbath is so important. A day where you just rest and think and feel and, and, and have fun. So there is this rhythm of, man, God is really moving, but also he's calling me to rest in him. Because ultimately, it's not my work, it's his work. And even God rested on that seventh day. So sometimes we have that burden. Um, when you get that itch, like, I've got to share Jesus with everyone, there's that burden that everyone's salvation is on your shoulders. Guess what? You can't carry that burden. But you know who can? God can. And you know whose mission that is? It's God's mission. And so there are times where he uses us, and we go all in, but there also needs to be time, times where we escape and rest. And so, as we wrap up today, we just want to land this, kind of summarize, um, su summarize what G how Jesus empowers us, or what Jesus empowers us for, is that Jesus empowers us to fully live, becoming more and more fruitful in his mission, and more and more alive in his presence. Jesus wants you to be fruitful in your mission. He wants... He wants to use your life for amazing things, but he also wants you to just enjoy his presence. And that's what I love about this passage. It's like those disciples were excited after they had this experience. They were pumped, and they were sharing about everything that God had done, and it was in that moment where Jesus is like, great, let's get away for a while. They may have been motivated to go right back in, but Jesus is like, nope, we're getting out of town for a bit. And so... We need to make sure that we, are, that we are living a fruitful life, but also a life filled with God's presence. So that's what empowerment looks like in Christ. And the question that we have to answer for ourselves is, is that what we want? Is that the life that we want to live? Do we want to give Jesus that kind of control and power? Is that what we want? Do, because he is there offering us life. He will give us life. He will give us purpose. He will give us a future and hope. And the question for us is, how far do we want to live into that, lean into that? And, you know, I'm not saying that it's easy. I am saying that it will mean sacrifice at times, but it's also a life filled with joy and filled with life. And so let's, uh, let's pray on that. And um, Brian and Dakota, you guys can, can come back up. Jesus, I pray that you would help us to live a life faithful for you. Lord, that you would help us be willing to 
live lives of sacrifice and meaning, God, that we'd be willing to step into the way that you want to empower us, the life that you call us to. And Lord, I pray that you would um, help us if we're, if we're wrestling with stress or worry or all the things that we have going on, Lord, I pray that you would help, help us to take a step back and see the bigger picture. Lord, see what you want to do in our lives, where you want to lead us, how you want to, um, how, how you want to push us, God. But I also pray that you would help us if, we, if we're in it. Um, Lord, I pray that you would help us to learn how to rest and rest in you, rest in ways that draw us closer to you, God, to unplug, God. Lord, draw us to that wilderness. But Lord, let us also experience the fruitful life of a disciple, of an empowered disciple, God. Send your Holy Spirit more powerfully in our lives. God, may your Spirit be at work powerfully through us. Lord, that we would see healing, that we would see people's lives changed, that we would proclaim the name of Jesus without fear. Lord, that you would just work in us, do a work in us, God, that that your glory might be revealed here in Blaine. Because that's what it's about. Jesus, empower your church. Lord, give us power, Father. That, Lord, that we could step into what you're calling us to step into. That, that, Lord, people's lives might be touched and changed and healed, Lord. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're going to close in worship today. I'm so glad you're here. Would you just... Uh, stand with us as we close and uh, happy Mother's Day.